Hey, hey, 80s Nation, I know it's a year away, but the 80s cruise is 92% sold out. Time is running out for you to get your cabin. Don't miss the ship that's going to include performances by The Human League, 38 Special, Berlin, Berlin to Carlisle, More Staying the Time, ABC, Dire Straits Legacy, Modern English, Jack Russell's Great White, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, A Flock of Seagulls, The Alarm, The Sugar Hill Gang, John Parr, Johnny Hates Jazz, <gasps> and of course the entire event is hosted by the original MTV VJs Mark, Allen, and Nina. Uh, Brad and I will be there hosting trivia and recording live podcasts. You can join us. Go to www.the80scruise.com right now and use the promo code STUCK when booking to get $200 cabin credit. That's the code STUCK for first-time guests for $200 cabin credit. Can't wait to meet you and cruise with you March 2022 on the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. Now on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? For more than 15 years and 590 episodes, Stuck in the 80s has honored the best music from the 80s and sometimes the pre-80s. This show... Well, this show isn't one of them. Hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA. And today we try to start a new series of shows. We're going to honor the outstanding instrumental tunes from 1976. You probably live with your family, you hang out with your buddies, and on Saturday night you go and you blow it all off 2001, right? That's right. You're a cliche. Stuck in the 80s is now listener-supported via Patreon. And now we have membership tiers with added benefits and annual memberships. Join us for VIP Zoom happy hours, swag bags, co-hosting opportunities, and more when you join at patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Hey, 80s Nation. This is going to be a weird one today. I, I, I was just telling Brad I got a weird feeling about this show. The vibe is all over the place right now, kids. There could be some left field stories. There could be some spontaneous drinking. But what we did was a few weeks ago, we had this idea that, you know, we've really enjoyed doing the number two hit of the 80s, you know, the songs that got to number two and no further. And we, and we thought it'd be fun to start this series all over again, you know, with a slightly different, different topic. And I started thinking back to, you know, 1976 when we started the number two hit show. And I started realizing that, you know, that was a big era of instrumental songs. Yeah, some of the stuff actually got into the charts. Yeah, it was heavy radio play. Some of the songs we'll talk about today are like the anthems of our youth. Some of them are more the anthem of our parents' middle age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. So we've got six songs from 1976. Technically, Steve, they're not songs because songs have words. Oh, wow. There we go. First uh, fact check untrue of the show. 
It won't be the only one. <laughs> Just in case my mom is listening, my mom would be like, "It's not a song. There's no words to it." Like, okay, so a song fair. has some has lyrics that need to be sung. That's something that you sing. Yeah. Okay. Now here's an interesting point to make, though. In some of these songs that we're going to talk, in some of these tunes, damn it, <laughs> no, damn I'm it, Brad's mom. Yes. Winning, I'm winning the podcast. There will occasionally, during this series, assuming it goes more than one show, assuming we even get this first show started. Assuming this actually gets recorded. There will be times when these instrumentals have a few lyrics. It might be the six, sure. three, it might be six words repeated, you know, over and over again. But for the most part... That's right. That's right. <laughs> but for the most part, they are considered to be instrumentals. So don't... Don't be swatting us with the uh, with the. That's a really good question. Would you consider the hustle, which is from the year before we're starting, to be an instrumental? Yes, I think so too. Gonna fly now, the Rocky anthem. I'm gonna argue that that's going to be an instrumental. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And since it's our podcast, we get to make the rules. It's it didn't win any songwriting uh, competitions for lyrics, so no. Brad and I are really screwed up today. I gotta admit, this is just a weird day, and we're still kind of screwed up from having to watch Coming to America. And we we put the review online, and now people are saying that we're all wrong. That it's actually really funny, and we're just we're just two jaded, you know, fifty three year olds who don't know, you know, shit. You don't from know Shinola. nothing, man. So, <laughs> so if we got little attitude this show, that's why. Brad, take it away. Give him some attitude. Steve, this first song has more attitude than you can even measure. Here it comes. the theme from SWAT. Yes. In case you weren't paying attention, didn't know things. That song is just it's it's not a song. That piece is just seared into my brain. How many episodes of the TV show SWAT did I ever see in my life? None. Zero. Zero. There's no way I was going to be allowed to watch this show as a as a what? I don't know. 8-year-old? 9-year-old? Right. Yeah. But man, this is this has got some serious funk to it. This yeah. is about as groovy as it's ever going to get. So this instrumental was written by Barry Devorzon and performed by this kind of obscure group known as Rhythm Heritage. Interesting. Yes. It was on their debut album Disco-fied, which tells you exactly what's going on in the US music scene at the time. Made it all the way to number 1. Good. On the Hot 100 chart. You know what's funny? You know, I was I was doing a little research on this, and I realized that I I thought of SWAT as being a TV show that must have been on on the air for like 15 years or something. Only, right, because it had this very popular song. Right, two seasons, two seasons. That's it. Only two seasons. Yeah. Wow, must have stunk. I wonder how many times. I wonder. I'm sure there are other instances of TV shows out there where the theme song was more popular than the actual show outperforms the show yeah this is probably one of them i I'll, as much as i like this version the version of this theme that charted is not the version that played on the show maybe oh. that's why the show didn't do so well maybe 
Interesting. The actual TV theme version is not a Rhythm Heritage recording, but is by the writer's very own orchestra with a different arrangement. Of course. Mm. Although, if I'm going to pick an arrangement of this that I'm going to listen to when it's like on a, say, uh, you know, Wednesday and I don't have much going on at work, I'm calling up the James Last Orchestra's version of theme from SWAT just because it's visually fantastic. Do you know who James Last is, was? <laughs> no. I was trying to think of a joke. <laughs> like the German Lawrence Welk. He's like like this corniest band leader ever. But in the 70s, this must have had to be in the 70s, there's a, a video of his big band, which is like all brass and percussion electric guitars out front. And the poor string players are in the background wearing like dark suits. So you can't even see them. And the, the horn line is all in these mustard yellow suits with brown piping on it. Looks like they just escaped from the Padres store. Oh my gosh, it's amazing, and they sound great. There's all this wah-wah pedal and all these big beards and hair all over the place and bow ties the size of your dinner plate. Oh, it's amazing. Given the amount of body hair I have, I would have been a god in the 70s. (laughs) Are you a god? I don't know what to tell you about that. I know I can tell you a little bit more about Rhythm Heritage. They um, they did survive longer than the TV show did. They had two more albums, and they are going to be responsible for other songs we're going to hear, including, um, well, we're not going to hear a Beretta's theme, which I think was also from this year. But they also did the uh, Gonna Fly Now from Rocky, so there you go. Oh, nice. God bless the Rhythm of Heritage. They were kind of a studio band and had to – tour because people were like we want to hear that band that does that SWAT song so they basically had to build a touring band around the schedule and so it probably wasn't the same people you know don't yeah. don't get too don't get too hung up on the the did I see the original lineup of Rhythm Heritage when I saw them in 1977 at the North Dakota State Fair okay, okay. I was gonna throw away my concert shirt but you've talked me out of it <laughs> no keep it keep it it's got value just like you, Steve. If you really do want an 80s angle, in 1987, LL Cool J sampled the song for his single I'm Bad from his album Bigger and Deffer. So there you go, guys. A little touch of the 80s and stuck in the 80s. You ready for Ooh. another song, Brad? I love it. Bring it. This one will sound a little bit more familiar. This is Breezen by George Benson. You don't think of George Benson as being an instrumentalist, but at this point of his career, he was. No, this is before he turned to more soft pop, right? Yeah, yeah. But it is also off his 15th studio album. 15th. Oh. He wasn't like, uh, you know, the little teen lads in Duran Duran at this point. He, he'd been around. Uh, the song itself, though, was not written by him. It was written by uh, Bobby Womack, and it was originally recorded by a Hungarian jazz guitarist known as uh, Gabor Szabo. And it was released in 1971. Did okay. But then Benson comes back in uh, 1976. Oh, Benson, there you go. I just say Benson, and everyone's going to think I'm talking about the TV show. But I'm really... That's okay. I've had way too much okay. iced tea today. <laughs> we, have, we have context here to guide us. <laughs> so I like it. I've been... Uh, over the last couple of weeks as we've been prepping for this show, this is the song that I keep coming back to and playing. And it did mark the beginning of Benson's uh, uh, commercial period. It, it was... It topped the jazz, R&B, and pop album charts. 
So, yeah, it sounds like him. It sounds like what is to come from George Benson as we get into the eighties. If nineteen seventy six was a fruit and you pulled it off a tree and squeezed it into a glass, it would be this song. Mm. And I'm sorry, but I'm gonna say song. I'm gonna say it repeatedly over and I over. I know. Again. I am too. I am too. We've made that point, but okay. we'll move. I just we, really we're not I'm be just bound by these rules. Very. Def- I'm very defensive today. Okay. I don't think it's gonna work well for the podcast, but I, I'm just warning people now. It all boils back to a fish dish I had a few minutes ago. And so I just don't want to go into any more depth about that. Brad. So fishy. Brad, let's, take let's me move away. on and step away from the fish. Steve, this is another fairly recognizable theme. I think most people might be familiar with this in one of its incarnations, but let's give a quick listen to Walter Murphy and the Big Apple Band with a Fifth of Beethoven. I know this song. Uh, it, it's from Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, exactly. It's on but, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. But, you know, quiz for people at home. At what point does this play in the movie? Mm. Think about it for a second. I don't know. I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Really? That's sad. When John Travolta walks into the disco for the first time, this is the song huh. that's playing. That checks out. Stump your friends. <laughs> Or your podcast co-hosts. Obviously, this is adapted from the first movement of Ludwig von Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. If you're going to sample stuff, sample stuff that's in the public domain. That makes it easier for Walter Murphy to not have to pay his uh, licensing to uh, the ASCAP. Beethoven estate or ASCAP or BMI or whoever it is that's, that's chasing him around. Murphy, interesting guy. He was uh, already kind of interested in rock that had been adapted from classical music a couple examples the one that leapt to mind for me was i don't know if you remember joy by apollo 100 which is oh my gosh it is so hippy dippy in the title but (laughs) great tune this was not uncovered territory i mean turning the classics into pop songs had been done, you know, repeatedly by this point. Oh, yeah. And and continues to be done. Like, wait a minute. I recognize that. Oh, that's Rachmaninoff. Oh, that's Chopin. Oh, you know, so we'll do that in Brad's Lyrically Ridiculous podcast. We'll talk about those songs. Okay. I got the next song. If you're a fan of soap operas, you're going to recognize this immediately. Yes, that's Nadia's theme. You know, Nadia's theme, aka the uh, theme from *The Young and the Restless*. Let me set this up a little bit. Barry Devorzon, we've previously talked about. Guys, all over the place today. If you go back to before Steve's fish story, which got edited out, uh, you'll remember Barry. And anyway, in 1971, he wrote this theme. It became associated with Nadia Comaneci before and during the 1976 uh, Olympics. She never performed to it, but for some reason there was a uh, documentary 
that ABC Sports did on her. And this was the music that played in the background. It's odd to me because that that association is very strong. And yet, how many times do you think that program actually aired? I, I mean, how many times did that montage air on Wide World of Sports? A lot. Like, it must have been 10 or 15 times if it's that strongly yeah. associated with it that they changed the name of the piece. Well, in 1973, it became the theme music to The Young and the Restless. So it, it sort of it was written in seventy one, became associated with Young and the Restless in seventy three, and then nineteen comes nineteen seventy six. It be, it certainly becomes um, Nadia's theme. The original title, you know, in case you're like in a bar fight tomorrow, and it's and it's about instrumentals from nineteen seventy six. The original title to Nadia's theme was Cotton's Dream. If you're offered the chance to do a dance off or nineteen seventy six instrumental trivia. Now you're ready. You're armed with the instrumental trivia. You don't have to do the dance off <laughs> forever. This is a song. I every time it comes on, I think of um, the scene in Mr. Mom, where <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, where, I do. <laughs> shoot me, shoot me. You're right. God knows I'm guilty. I deserve it. He suddenly finds himself inside the soap opera, and then he's dead on the floor. A lovely moment in a great movie that we never talk about. Anyway, your turn. We just did. Oh, Steve, this is a fun one. We talked a little bit about this on the last show. I've been traveling for work, and part of that traveling, just so I don't have to quarantine when I get where I'm going and come home, I've been driving. And it's a it's a fairly long drive. It's not a crazy long drive, but it's multiple hours to get to and from. So I, what I've been doing on my drive home is picking two or three albums to listen to in their entirety straight through that maybe I haven't heard in a long time. And this track was on one of the albums I listened to recently. This is Foreplay from Boston. Okay, I gotta hit you with this first. This this drive is it a secret drive? Is the is the distance a secret distance? No, it just doesn't matter. It's not important to the story. Okay, I was ready to go all in on the fish, but do you want do you want to know? I've been, I've been going <laughs> no, to Tempe, no, now I know. Tempe no, you, Arizona. You just, it's six hours away, boys and girls. There we go. I told you it's it's a weird day. I have I've been drinking green iced tea all day. It's just not gonna make it's not gonna make it's not Why? gonna it's not gonna make for restful sleep tonight and it's not gonna make for a good podcast this week. Oh my goodness, we're all over the place. Yeah, but just so, hold on. It's just it's like great okay, thunder mountain okay, railroad. Hold on. <laughs> foreplay is the intro to the song Foreplay slash Long Time, written by Tom Schultz and on Boston's eponymous, I love that word, debut album. Mm. Yeah, so good, Steve. It is it's so good. I listened to Boston's first album, which I this this is how do I say this? So the first album I really listened to from Boston when I was a kid was "Don't Look Back," and I thought that album was amazing, right? Sure. And it is good. But then you go climb back one rung on the ladder and go to their debut album, and it is so much better. The songwriting is better. It's just tighter all the way around, and with the distance of you know, several decades since I'd listened to these straight through, I was just like, wow, this is such a great album. And I, I think that's, we've talked a little bit about this, about the your first album, 
you know, you've been crafting these songs for a decade, trying to get the man to give you a record contract. And then it happens. And the first album goes ballistic. And then people are like, okay, we need another one. And you're like, oh, great. We got six months to write all those songs again. So I think it's really hard for people to maintain that kind of level in their second album. Sure. You don't usually, you, well, you never hear it by itself. It always is the lead into long time, right? Sure. So Schultz says it's the first song he ever recorded, and he did it on a two-track tape machine in his basement. And he says it's also the first piece of music that he ever wrote. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I know I read uh, Rolling Stone's review of this song, and it called it, quote, uh, a perfect marriage of Led Zeppelin, yes, that plays musical chairs with electric and acoustic sounds. That's that's where Boston was on the on the radar. You're right. Both songs together, Steve, they're about eight minutes, and foreplay is the first two and a half minutes. Oh, just like in real life. Mm, yeah, <laughs> sure. Sorry. I, I'm telling you, it's this <laughs> Publix makes this great diet green tea, and it's just – I haven't had it in like uh, probably 18 months or so, and I, I think I've had half a gallon today. I, I got to tell you, that just sounds awful. Why don't you just take some grass clippings and steep those in water? You don't like green tea? No. That's interesting. I mean, it's not like it's some bizarre thing or anything. I'm not drinking like some sort of wizard tea or something. It's just green tea. Well, gosh, tea made out of wizards. That would be something. Very tart, I find. Anyway, okay, last song. Magically delicious. (laughs) We saved our best for last. Everyone on the planet Earth should know this song. Sadly, only the 89% of the males that listen to this podcast will know it. Here we go. Overture from 2112 by Rush. I have always loved this song, and I, I think I got into Rush. And we're gonna we're gonna have a whole show coming up pretty soon about Moving Pictures, the album that came out 40 years ago. Obviously, 2112 is from a few years before that. It was probably maybe like the third or fourth Rush album I bought. Rush was one of those weird bands where I bought Moving Pictures and then I went backwards. Yeah, I think that's pretty common. And I, mean, I, I bought Permanent Waves. I bought 2112. Yeah. Um, and then I think I bought. Signals, the album that came after. Well, technically, Exit Stage Left came after. It's crazy. I'm just. I'm not. Not even looking at notes. I just know this. Exit Stage Left comes after Moving Motion, Moving Pictures, and then comes Signals. Anyway, to make a long story short, too late. The first time I ever heard this song was when I was I was trying to to find the rock station on the radio in Tampa Bay. Okay. I was just dialing around and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. And then finally I come across nearly the very beginning of this song and I'm like, what the hell? You know, if I, what station have I turned into? And I sat there and listened to the whole thing. I mean, I don't know why they were playing it. They never do. It must have been yeah, some. That's not, yeah. Maybe it was a special rush hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really clever actually when you think about it. It's an amazing song from an album that's a concept album. Everyone kind of knows. Everybody who wants to know the story of 2112 knows the story of 2112. Or is at least aware of it. Yeah. You know, it pops up in Ready Player One and, you know. Does it? Yeah. The book, not the movie. Uh, Oh, the book. Yeah. Um, It's also on Guitar Hero, Warriors of Rock. 
Um, oh gosh, <laughs> I, we used, used to play, play that at work. Yeah, we used to play it at work. Oh my when god, I was at Disney. We had an Xbox in one of the conference yeah. rooms. I think they opened with it when I saw them on tour. I saw them on the exit stage left tour, and they um, opened with twenty one twelve overture. No, just the overture. That's and, uh, cool. And, and Actually, that's the, um, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they a lot of times open up with a like so, sort of a, an, an overture of sorts. You know, where they'll play like sure six seconds of ten different songs. It stands apart from a lot of the other instrumentals we talked about today. It will not be the last Rush instrumental that we talk about before the series is done. Assuming we actually consider continuing the series. Here's the important part. I know we didn't we didn't give a very um, balanced and thoughtful approach to 1976, but. Did you like it? Do you want us to continue doing it the, the other years? Do you want us to jump ahead to the 80s? What do you want? Send us an email and let us know. We'll decide whether or not to uh... <laughs> soldier on. Yeah. I mean, in, in fairness, Steve, in 1976, we were like probably both just excited about Bicentennial Quarters and eating you know red, white, and blue frosting on graham crackers for the 4th of July. I don't remember the, uh, the frosting. I remember the quarters. Oh, the frosting was pretty on point. It might be the only time in my life I've ever liked frosting. What? What kind of person doesn't like frosting? I don't like frosting. You don't? Yeah. Was it too sugary for you? Do you not like yeah, sweets? Yeah, it's, it's too. Oh no, I love sweets, but frosting is not my thing. My sisters would get so mad at me because I would complain to my mom that she's putting too much frosting on things. They're like, "What is wrong with you? <laughs> Shut your whore mouth!" <laughs> I love the abusive stories of your youth. <laughs> you know what else can be abusive? The seggies. Hey, it's time for Listener Mailbag. I'm not even going to try to label it as mystical or the familiar refrain, although I guess I just did. But um, How dare you? We, we get some fun letters here. Um, not, we can't read them all. Some people share stories with us and ask us not to read them, and that's cool, too. More than happy to um, comment on everyone's scarred youth. But um, this is an interesting one. This is from uh, Nate Chops Johnson, and he's... Referring to an episode we just did a few weeks ago where, for some reason, out of left field, I started talking about Electric Grandmother, the the TV movie. Oh, I know which one he's talking about. He's talking about the Razzies and Oscars podcast. Right. Not our not our tribute to Ray Bradbury because <laughs> why? Can you read it? Because I, I, if I try to read this, I'm going to get Here we go. Weepy. I'm reading this. You can't read this, Steve. You can't even read. It's high, high time people realize that there's a literacy problem on this podcast. Okay, here we go. Guys, I was listening to the most recent podcast, and my mouth dropped when you mentioned The Electric Grandmother. I loved that movie as a kid, and I had no idea other people knew about it. It meant a lot to me growing up because I was raised by my grandparents, and my grandmother was the closest person to me my entire life. She was awesome. She'd take me to the movies to see films that may have been age-inappropriate or friends my age weren't interested in seeing them. We saw Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Footloose, she had a crush on Willard, apparently. <laughs> Troll, Breaking One and Two, just to name a few. Always after church, of course. Of course. Well, when I went off to college and subsequently moved to LA, she'd send care packages nearly every week. No exaggeration. It was usually grocery coupons she'd clip that week and a homemade pound cake. But she'd also send clothes and kitchen essentials like pots, pans, dishware. Man, she sounds awesome. Yeah. I could not fathom my life without a grandmother. When I see people acting like a fool in public or on social media, I literally think to myself, their grandparents must be mortified. So when the kids in the electric grandmother got their grandmother to take care of them, I remember feeling such relief and understanding. 
I knew those kids would be well taken care of. I didn't quite understand the end of the movie at the time because, you know, to me, my grandmother was a rock superhuman and would always be around. Well, she passed about five years ago, and needless to say, that shook me and it turned my world upside down. I hadn't seen that movie in decades, but I rewatched it a couple weeks ago with adult eyes and life experience, and I was gutted. It broke me down. So, Spearsy, I felt your emotions, brother, and I completely understood as you talked about it. As always, I was then and remain now stuck in the 80s. Nate Chops Johnson. Wow. It's on YouTube, the whole movie. It's only about 42 minutes long. I just want to say there were some other dissenting opinions about the electric grandmother, and we're not reading those letters because, you know, we just aren't. <laughs> Did you, uh, so you lived fairly close to home. Did your mom ever, was your mom or your, your parents, either of them, ever like the sort that would clip articles and mail them to you? Oh, yeah. Did you ever get to have that happen? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I have an uncle still who he still gets the print edition of the paper. Anytime I would appear in it, because I still wrote for the Tampa Bay Times long after mm-hmm. I left, he would clip it out and save it for me. And then when I would come to town, he would have this little folder of all the clippings that mentioned me oh, or mentioned 80s stuff. That's really nice. I was more thinking about, like, here's something of general interest that I think you might like. You know, you'd get this envelope stuffed with clippings from the Daily Oklahoma and or whatever my mom happened to be reading of articles that she thought were pertinent to my very boring life no no not, not so much no. that it was always 80s stuff it was always more, okay. more like if 10 things you didn't know about the tv show chips you know stuff like that <laughs> i don't want to know I, I guess i watch chips you know we talk about that you and i didn't watch a lot of tv we, i, I watch chips every week yeah i watched a lot of tv but it was more like late 70s early 80s like i you know yeah. i've seen probably every episode of love boat and fantasy island oh, love boat fantasy island yeah i watched that while i rolled my newspapers to yeah. on sunday morning happy days laverne and shirley mork and mindy all that stuff from like around 1977 to 1982 yeah I, after that it became you know a little bit more hit and miss starts to fall off a little <laughs> everything starts to fall off a little at this age if you have a letter for us, please email it to us at podcast at sit80s.com. Ah, it's time for I Want My Mystery TV theme song. For some reason, I'm just delivering these real droll this week. You You thought we had taken this... Seggy out back and giving it the old yeller treatment, but no, no, it was just resting. Oh, I have to say, old it was yeller. just resting. Ah, oh, like I don't need another movie to cry about. I think I cried during uh, Animal House the last time I watched it. I don't <laughs> remember. I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm wrong. And, and then they took the welding torch to the car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least I, it appears that the effects of the green tea have worn off. So you can. For the remaining 30 seconds of the show, I, I will be calm and in control. And I, and I apologize for the combination of the deadly fish and the green tea that, that caused me to be so unnecessarily animated up until this point. Oh, brother. Save it for the pot. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, this is the segment where we play a snippet of a TV theme song from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for the <clears throat> postal-friendly bottle opener. How was that? Was that good? Oh, oh my gosh. One take. So 
you have to go all the way back to episode 587, which I, in which case I think Brad and I were both still 47 years old. And <laughs> here was the not-so-mysterious clip. Yes, that's Perfect Strangers, but from the ending credits. Pretty sneaky, Steve. You think the, the harmonica gives it away? Oh, Perfect Strangers. That, I watched that at least the first season of it. I've, I've seen episodes of it. Yeah, yeah. They all die at the end, right? Every time. Sorry. New cast every week. <laughs> anyway, um, read the winners. Winners Please. this week include Kyle K in Arkansas, Jason in Memphis, Dave Estel, Gene now in Hollister, Dave in an undisclosed location, Lido from Austin but missing LA, Sal from Buffalo, and Frank from Indiana, who writes, Last time I won one of these, the answer was also Perfect Strangers. That's nice. Yeah, I went back and looked. Frank won a bottle opener with that answer, which was revealed in episode 435 back in December of 2017. Wow. What was that yeah, about? It was the show we did on Christmas specials. Oh, my God. Which we recorded with our friend Mike Pajaro as guest host. We got to get him back on the show. Yeah. That was a fun show, but it was weird. Well, those specials are weird. Some of, Yeah, that ALF Christmas special has stuck with me and not in a good way. Yeah, no. Uh, Frank from Indiana, also very understanding that he's still listening to us because I think it took me about six months to mail in that bottle. Because <laughs> oh, wow. that was back in the pre-postal friendly oh. days when I had to like put it in a little box and go to the post office and you know scrub the floors before the mailman would take it from me. Uh, I remember the days when we used to mail out little bags of Funyuns. <laughs> <laughs> as to the winners and because you bought them for us yes i sent you several boxes from the wholesale grocer you, you sent all these like cases of funyuns and little bags and i kept them hidden under my desk because if sean daly saw him he would eat them and then i whined about i don't know how to send these and so you sent me a couple crates of little small boxes to, to put them in and <laughs> And Daly and I signed all the bags and sent them out. And so funny. As a lifetime ago, that's all I can say. It does seem like a long time ago. Yes. I still get the Uline catalog, too. And that thing oh is like God. 400 pages. Yes. It's like a New York City phone book. I got some Uline stuff once for a move, and I, I cannot get off their mailing list now. Yeah. So. It's crazy. Anyway, let's spin the wheel. Give me the familiar grunt, and let's find out who okay. wants something. Okay, here we go. You ready? Yeah. One, two. Ah! Oh. Sound like more of a tear than a grunt. Yeah, well, you know, you get what you get. Yeah, I, for some reason, when when we when we do this show, the, the only thing that makes me laugh every single episode is is the the grunt sound. It's the, if we could just have if I could just have a montage of grunts and you know guest grunts from when we have guest hosts, that would be that would be the greatest <laughs> gift of all. Even better than an okay, electric well, grandmother. I know what to get your- I know what to get you for your birthday next year. Nice. It's this year. You better start working on it now. No, I got I got this year's already all lined up. It's oh, next good. year I'm planning for now. Wow. Yeah. You're going to live for another year. That's that's enthusiastic. That's it's hopeful. I'm I'm filled with hope. <laughs> it looks like it's going to land on Jason in Memphis. Excellent. I have a really good friend who just moved back to Memphis. I love Rendezvous for the Ribs. World's worst airport. 
Oh, really? Kansas City Airport's pretty stupid. Yeah. It's pretty. It's all divided up into little subsection gates. But and the first time I ever had barbecued nachos were in Memphis at that the minor league baseball game. Huh. And there used to be a Russian restaurant on the main strip that had, oh, what's that borscht? Borscht. It was really good. <laughs> and I tried to make I it mean, one time, and it was bad. If, <laughs> if you like beets, you're you're in a good place. Sure, right? Love beets. Yeah, love beets. I, I love Memphis. So, Jason, send us your. Your mailing address. No beets or barbecue nachos will be harmed in the making yeah. of your bottle opener. Let us let us know if you think uh, the rendezvous is overrated or not. I know a lot of people say it is. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery TV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at SITs.com. Thankfully, the green tea has worked its way through. And tune in in a few weeks and find out if Steve is still addicted to caffeine. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Okay, America, which I see is the great taste that refreshes you most? Clearly nasty. Splash full, icy cool. Clearly nasty. Wet, crisp, clean, brisk. Life is nasty. Let's splish splash. A tall glass. A taste blast. And we're back. We have time. Let's play a little version of What's Your 80s Obsession? Brad, what's your 80s obsession? Well, it's not so much an 80s obsession as a a reemergence of many of the artifacts of my youth. So this year for Valentine's Day, my wife's gift to me was to turn our daughter's bedroom into my office. Don't feel too bad for my daughter. She's off at college. She's not coming back. You know, we moved some things around and, and I'm like getting to kind of decorate a room. It's the first time I've had a room to decorate myself in a long time. You yeah. know, it's just like some of that stuff doesn't really fit in the family room. Like I pulled out my signed Devo poster that I know I've talked about on the show several times. And I went and took it to a custom framer to get it framed, you know, so I can have it up on the wall behind me. And it's I'm excited about it. It's kind of been fun going through my desks and my closets and, you know, going through bins of stuff and finding things to put up in the room. So that's been fun. I look around in my home office here on the second floor of the lair. I would say half the things that are hanging up here are things that you've given me over the years. Huh. There's the the Princess Leia print, uh, the Rylos license plate. I remember both of those. The on-air light. Oh, that's right. Gosh, I forgot about Uh, that. I I made Spearsy an on-air light. Turned out okay. Oh, the Ferris Bueller's Day Off alternative poster is up here. And then I think it was... I don't know if it was two Christmases ago. You got a, this amazing print of the sound waves. What the, what the sound waves look like when you when I say hopelessly stuck in the eighties. I thought that was a fun gift. That was yeah, cool. I'm glad you here. liked it. It's right above my monitor. So yeah, Brad, you may have only one decorated room in in uh, Southern California, but you have one in Orlando as well. Cool. So Steve. What's your 80s obsession, my friend? This is it's just not really very interesting. The <laughs> way to sell it, Steve. Well, it's just it's interesting to <laughs> it's like, me. Oh my god, I got drawers full of junk so here. I, Do you want some of my well, junk? I, I don't have I, don't I have ha- drawers full of carefully curated content. Would you like me to curate something into the mail for you? Yeah, well, actually, this place is missing something. The only uh but I only want to put stuff up that means something to me. Anyway, last month, you know, I'm on Amazon Prime and 
trying to find something to watch. I want I want something eighties or I just, I just want something from in the past. And then sure. I notice I notice that one of the channels that's available on Amazon Prime is something called Stars S T A R Z. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it might be a regular channel of, on cable as well. Yeah, it's so, on Directv and whatever else you right. got. But I never, I never thought about. it. I mean, I spend too much money on online services already, so I, I wasn't even thinking about it. And then it said, I forget how much it was. It was only like eight dollars a month. I'm like, eight dollars a month, jeez. So all I've been doing is watching '80s movies on Stars for like the last two weeks. I've seen um, No Way Out, mm. Young Guns, Glory, Roxanne, and uh, Tequila Sunrise. And these are like all movies that, for the most part, nobody really name checks them anymore. Like, Yeah. You mentioned Tequila Sunrise, and, and I had to dig deep. I'm like, mm, Love Triangle? Yeah. And there's a drug dealer and Michelle Pfeiffer. That's yeah. what I could remember. <laughs> Kurt Russell, Mel Gibson, Michelle Pfeiffer, Raul Julia. It's, oh. it, it's nice. It's it's a fun. It's no. It's not a fun movie. I mean, people die, but yeah. um, but it, it's it's nice. <laughs> it's it's no young guns, but it's nice. <laughs> so everybody um, dies in the end, which is why I like it. As we go forward in the podcast, and you start to hear mystery movie clips, just pretty much look at the lineup on stars, and you'll pretty much figure out. You'll be able to narrow it down. You're giving so. them a cheat sheet, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, look, it, it's nice to go back. You say it's nice, but it really is. It's nice to go back and watch something that you're familiar with like that. Like, look, we're all enjoying the Cobra Kai thing and seeing new stories with our with these characters. But sometimes you just want to, you know, you just want to snuggle on the couch and see what happens to poor Mel Gibson while he's on the payphone out in front of his condo. <laughs> over and over again. The interesting thing, too, is I don't think I saw any one of these movies more than more than once twice tops you know sure. for the most part you're you're sitting there and it's it's got that just that minor familiarity with it you're just like oh that's right he's in this movie too oh that's right Rick yeah. Rosevich is in this movie I, I forgot about this oh my god that's right Emilio Estevez I'm already out you get in <laughs> yeah so it's it's just one of those things that uh for some reason you know if you're wondering what I'm doing any given night after seven o'clock I'm probably sitting on the couch uh, if, assuming the future wife isn't here, I'm on the couch with 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 a glass of wine or or or, or uh, an old fashioned, and I'm watching stars, '80s movies. So there you go. Anyway, like I said, please email us and let's know what you thought about the idea of doing a series of shows on instrumentals. Do you want us to clump them together? Do you not want us to string it out over fourteen shows? Do you want to, you tell you guide us? You, you guide. You make the call. Was Spearsy out of line when he chose this topic, or does the touchdown? At the stand? time that I brought it up, you were very enthusiastic about it. No, I think it's a, I think it's a really fun idea, but you know it needs to appeal to the wonderful people who download yeah. and listen to our but show. I, I as think well. maybe I poorly executed it this week. Like maybe you know. over caffeinating isn't the best way to offer a analytical approach to music history of the late 20th century. <laughs> well, you know, we're not exactly as the esteemed musicologists here. We're just guys with microphones. Yeah, some time on our hands. On that note, it's time for me to go watch the end of Roxanne. So until we meet again, Brad and I remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening. Stuck in the 80s.
if this isn't going to be an interesting show, let's at least let it be short and concise. 